Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Wow. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Wow. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Happy hump day and welcome back to the Urban Girl Corporate World Podcast, y'all. I'm your dopest hostess with the mostest, Nicole, and I am so excited that you chose to get over the hump this week with me. Today's guest is somebody who I enjoy talking to in real life, so I figured why not share some of our magic on this platform? He is the Vice President of Information Security, Data Privacy, and Enterprise IT at Riot Games, an American video game developer, publisher, and esports tournament organizer headquartered in West Los Angeles. Chris Himes, welcome to the show. And that was an amazing introduction. Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course, of course. Now, we actually just got done debating on like what your title is and it's super long. Um, so I'm, I'm sure you're never um, not busy at work, but there's an article you wrote for medium.com where you call yourself the head of security, a glutton for punishment and the single ringable neck for security and privacy outcomes. Is that not stressful? I mean, it's totally, it, it can be stressful at times, but uh, I think I've learned over the years that there's there's only so many things you can care about at any given time. And the, the reality is if you're at a company that truly supports you and understands what your mission is, they understand that mistakes happen, that one single person in any given company cannot change everything. Mm -hmm. But the other part of that article was that I see my role is smoothing out the, the the sine wave at the company. So instead of a security incident or any other type of problem, basically throwing a company into chaos, my job is to make it easier, the transition for inevitable things to happen so it doesn't throw the company into chaos. And that's what I mean by you know, being the single ringable neck, it's the breaches happen. We all know that mistakes happen. We, there's a lot of code going on, a lot of people, the human element, but it's when something does happen, how is the company prepared to react and respond? So it doesn't hurt our players. It doesn't hurt the company. Yeah. I like that. So how does that translate into what you do every day? And I'm sure no day is the same, right? But what are some of the huge, the big rocks that you're focused on? Honestly, for for me, a, a lot of it now is building relationships and communicating with people. So it's actually a very interesting transition as you move through your career. I honestly haven't figured it out completely. Sometimes I don't know what my job is. Uh, people tell me I'm doing a good job, so I'll accept that. But um, you know, you go from being an individual contributor where you're 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 technical and you're you're writing code, you're 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 making production changes for security or IT, engineering, whatever it is. Then you you go to that next level where you're managing, and you're accountable for people and humans. And part of your day is is writing code. Part of your day is helping take care of other people. You know, and then you go to the, the next level where you're responsible for a program, and that changes again, right? And I essentially see myself as attempt to be a force multiplier. So I get out of the way. I give my team some some like strategic direction. I let them figure out how to do it, and I unblock them. 
And then I communicate with other leaders to make sure that we're doing a good job. And then there are higher level company issues, obviously, that we're, we're working with and talking about that need to be translated back to the team so they know which direction the ship is about to move. And I kind of see that as, as part of my job. And team health and taking care of people and making sure that they, they feel valued, that they're not burnt out is such an important part of the gig that you don't even know about carrying the weight for other people to support them and getting them through things because those are the, when you can do that and you actually feel like feel that your, your leader and your manager and the people around you care about you, like you're at work eight, 10 hours a day, I don't know, whatever it is. And if you're around people that care about you, your work product and their life is going to be so much better. So if we can facilitate that and create that at within our the teams that, that I'm accountable for, that's one of my huge goals because I don't want to work somewhere where I feel like a number or someone doesn't care about me. Why would I want anyone else to feel that way? And it's just creating that culture um, and making sure it emanates out and everyone feels they're a part of it. That, that's such a huge part of the job that, that it's unwritten almost, right? Like, uh, but I've learned that that makes life so much better. Oh yeah. I actually, when I stepped into the BSOR role years ago, I had no idea of how multi-layered it really, really is. And I would probably say about 60 to 70% of my job is relationship management, whether it be with my business partners or whether it be with the folks that are on my team. And a lot of times I am doing a lot of work of, first of all, just understanding what the heck is going on everywhere, right? Helping balance priorities of this team and that team, and then figuring out how to help the people that support me be successful. And like you said, get out of their way, right? Like it's, um, it's no easy task, but, but it's, it's, I'm having a lot of fun and, and when you actually start to see, and sometimes in our space, it's really hard to see, to like measure our wins. And I think you talked about that in that same article, because our job is to prevent things from happening, right? Um, but when you can actually see the value that you bring and you get the good feedback from your business partners and the people who support you, it, it feels really, really good. So did you always... How do you ever imagine that you would be here or did you have a different set of career goals earlier in your career? Honestly, I didn't have any career goals, like, which is weird to say. I think you just don't actually understand when you're, when you're younger. Like my career goals were like, I would like to make more money and I would like to feel fulfilled. And to, to be honest, I didn't know what I wanted. And I didn't even know who I was as a human being, honestly, when I was, 22 or whatever coming out of college and i would tell you every five years i'm practically a new person i, I think so yeah. um what fil what fulfills me today might not fulfill me tomorrow but i would tell you that generally what i've learned fulfills me is making big impact right and that can be in the security space that can be in engineering or that could be just in the company culture dynamic. You know, uh, recently you know, with COVID, I, I, I was accountable for our, our business continuity program. So like getting everyone, you know, getting people off campus, get, you know, keeping them working during the time, bringing them back to campus in, in a, a, a safe and healthy way. And you could say that has nothing to do with security. And it doesn't. But what it has is like it was helping the the company and helping rioters, you know, cope with a t really terrible time, which hasn't ended. Right. But, you know, 
supporting them and supporting the company and seeing us able to launch products and, and being part of that brought me as much fulfillment as implementing something for security. And I've really learned that I think the best security leaders the most effective one, ones are business leaders who, who, who are open to making big impact outside of their space. And when you do that and you're seen as a holistic leader at the company, not just a security leader, you're brought into more conversations, which actually always have security impact. A lot of the, the leaders, the executive partners that I work with, they invite me to their SLT meetings. And what I get to do is sit, be a fly on the wall, and just hear about everything that's going on. But then that begins to evolve because then I become an active contributor and really get treated like I'm part of the team. But to jump back to what you said, like I've never had career goals. It doesn't sound weird to me because I, I totally identify with that. I graduated from college. I was 20 years old. I couldn't tell you, like, I don't even know how I chose my major in college. It was like, I like money and I like math so accounting <laughs> right and and then it was I want to work on Wall Street okay that that was the career goal but I have my my journey has definitely been like twists and turns and, I, and I've seen some of that in your own profile right like systems administration consulting um, banking and here you are in gaming it's um it looks like you like to have fun in whatever you do. I mean, I try, I, I try to, I also like, I also want to, I want to feel like I'm part of something. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so it's, it's, I don't, it's, it's working in the video game industry is, is amazing. Right. Like to, to know that you are, you are helping contribute to something that hundreds of millions of people in the world just love. Right. And not only just love, but sometimes, you know, like during a pandemic, depend on as their outlet mm -hmm. for for everything. Like it brings a new meaning to to what you're working on. So I love that. But I would I was never like, hey, I want to work at a bank. Hey, I want to work in healthcare. Hey, I want to work. Again, I just want to work with good people working towards a really uh, an amazing mission that I can contribute to and and to help. And I think the I have everyone has their like lines like I, I wouldn't I want to work for something that that. I hope contributes to society and that, but that helps fulfill me along with my own personal mission. But I think that could be accomplished through big companies, small companies, whatever. So, so much of my life is, is the people you work with and the mission and the culture of the company. And if you're aligned with that and your every day is better. So. Totally agree. Can we talk about culture for a second? Because um, as you know, I worked for a video game company for about five years and it was for me, so talk about shifting and goals, right? And what you want to do. Initially, when I graduated, I wanted to go to Wall Street. I wanted to work for the big companies. I wanted to do big four consulting. And I did that. And then I, I, I wanted to shift because I felt like I had been working for the same type of organization and I wanted something different. So I went to this really, really small video game company in New York City. And it was like, it was what I needed at that time. It was perfect. It was small. I got to do so much. I had a lot of fun at work, getting to do voiceovers on a video game. Like that's, that's wild, right? That would have never happened. But I think it speaks to the culture there and how people connected their work and, and, and things that they appreciated and, and liked, honestly. Um, can you talk to me about the culture overall at Riot and then the microcosm of culture that you create in the space that you lead? 
Yeah, uh, culture is culture is something as a term that's overused a lot, right? And there are a lot of companies where you have stated culture and then you have what culture actually exists. And of course, you have microcosms and pockets that that exist everywhere. Culture is not a cat poster, right? Uh, it needs to be something that's lived, and it's also something you understand there are there are scales of culture everywhere throughout the company. It's not one holistic thing. But at Riot, I think what's most important is you're surrounded by a large group of people who are passionate about a very similar thing. And, and in, in for Riot's case, it's video games. So when you have a common mission and you care about something, you at least have a, a common tie that binds you. And then because of that, as long as you come back to this root that we have and that it's player focus, right? So are we ma- we're not going to make decisions that are designed to just get money from a player. We might actually choose to do something that loses Riot, Riot money because it's actually best for the player. So when every person in the group, who in the room, cares about games and likes games, and you also are a player yourself, and you, then you are going to make decisions that are what's best for you as a player, not always what's best for Riot as a company. And then you tie that even for folks at Riot who aren't, you know, maybe life has changed. Like I have a 20-month-old. I don't really play games as much as I used to. I just don't have time. It still persists throughout the entire company because it's part of the culture. So you don't have to be a, a, a hardcore video game player to understand and, and put yourself in the shoes from an empathetic perspective of what it would be like to be a player experiencing something. And it's because of those things are to this root that brings you back to, to the riot culture. And then beyond that, like speaking up and delivering feedback is something that that is expected, but in different ways. Like we're not saying, hey, every person should stand in a room and yell at each other. Like that's not it. Some people deliver, it's understanding that people receive and give feedback in completely different ways. How do you open up space for everyone to contribute in their own ways? And that's something that's part of the riot culture as well. Understanding that everyone is different, but that everyone has their own value contribution. And when you walk into a room and say, well, just because this person speaks in a different way than I do or speaks to me differently, they still have something to be valued. And it's this culture of respect that persists through the entire company. And it doesn't matter that my title is VP. No one has ever said, oh, there's Chris, the VP, right? Or like... Of course, something exists. There's a power dynamic that people understand. But when we get into a room, it's expected that I always, always respect everyone's opinion the exact same way. No one's opinion is worth more than someone else's. Like we, we do this event called Riot Unplugged at Riot, where literally any rider can just ask uh, anyone on our executive leadership team questions, and they answer it to the best of their ability live right? It's this culture of openness and transparency and respect. And of course, we make mistakes, trust me, like we like things happen where you're like, oh, that wasn't really phrased very well. And, you know, but we, we talk about it and we deal with it. And I would much rather be a part of a company like that than one where there's an ivory tower and a massive hierarchical structure that you couldn't walk in and give feedback to the CEO of the company. You couldn't even see them. And if you did, you'd be fired, right? And and I love that about Riot. It's it's a special, special place. Yeah, it sounds like it. It, it sounds like 
the vibe there really acknowledges and honors that people are human and every everybody's voice counts. Um, and, you know, a lot of companies say, you know, customer first, customer first. But if an organization is willing to lose money on behalf of the customer experience, like that's that's more than just talking the talk. That's that's walking the walk. And I think it's pretty darn admirable. Um, now, along our journeys, there are wins and there are challenges. Can you talk to me about some of the challenges that you faced at any at any point in your career and, and some of the keys of uh, of nuggets um, or lessons learned that help you navigate through those? Oh, man, I've had a lot of, I've had times where I thought I was going to get fired. I never was. Um, I brought down Hulu once, single-handedly. So if, you know, if there was ever a time <laughs> where you were watching Hulu and it just stopped working, that might've been my fault. <laughs> I won't tell anyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, but like, so I, I mean, I won't go into the details of, of what horrendous mistake in hindsight I, I learned about, but, you know, I can tell you about my philosophy on how I, like what I fixed about it, you know? Um, like, I don't know, like if you've ever read the, the Netflix book, No Rules Rules, they talk about this thing called sunshining. And I don't call it sunshining because I feel I just, I would never call it sunshining. But ultimately what it is, is like, if you make a mistake, you should tell everyone about the mistake and own it. And I am a firm believer in just owning mistakes. So after I did this and realized what happened, well, of course, other people told me, look what you did. And I'm like, oh no. Um, and it got fixed. I sent out a big email of what happened apologizing to the, the the group and basically saying, hey, here are the things that uh, we're going to make sure, I'm going to make sure happen in the future and make sure this never happens again. And it's it's known in many different ways, like extreme ownership, there's books on these things, but ultimately it's like, I say to myself, look, if trouble has happened, it's even if it's in my team, it's because I didn't do something. And it doesn't mean I'm bad. It doesn't mean my team is bad. It just means that there are lessons to be learned. And when I think people take that perspective and attitude in any way of life, you always get better outcomes because it's not, you don't, there is no blaming other people. It's what could I have done differently to make sure this doesn't happen? Even in more relevant examples like today, where if there's someone on my team who goes and implements something in a direction that we're like, I'm not sure how that happened. It's not that person's fault. Like it's, I didn't do a good enough job communicating to that person. And it's because we take that and that attitude persists throughout the team where we end up with better outcomes. And I think that gets you through any general difficulty. You know, it doesn't mean that you don't suffer or that bad things don't happen or that you can repeat the same mistakes over and over again because words need to be followed up by actions. But it's a mental perspective that if you take that, I think you'll have better outcomes. Yeah, that's actually how I try to encourage myself when I go through challenges is just like, well, first of all, anytime I go through a challenge, I have a a better chance at learning something because when life smacks me upside the head, I'm going to pay a lot more attention than if everything's just going fantastically well. And, and the second piece is always just reminding myself to look back at all of the other challenges that I've overcome and realize that I'm pretty much running at like 100% success rate. So why wouldn't this be any different, right? And just trying to shift my attitude about it. Also, what's success, right? Mm. Like, because the reality is you have, you have a goal 
and um, you know you can choose what your end goal is, but that's made up of a hundred different micro successes that you need to have. And the truth is, even if you get uh, there's this book, it's called Atomic Habits, right? And it talks about this. It's like people fail a lot of goals because they set this massive lofty thing and then they don't track their progress or feel success in their progress. But if you just spend that 30 minutes every day, this little tiny, hey, I did this one day at a time, the second day, boom, I did this before you know it, even if you don't hit your lofty goal of 100%, maybe you've made 80% along the way and you're way better for it, right? And it's it's perspective. Everything is perspective. There's no human being in this world who doesn't have some type of struggle. And the same struggle to me is not the same struggle to you. It's how you look at it. It's how your team looks at it. It's building resiliency. Like back to that sine wave analogy that I used earlier in the article you referred to. Again, you, know, you, you said your, our job is to prevent bad things from happening. And that's partially true. But I think when you use that line of thinking it sometimes can hurt the team because then the team feels bad when something happens. So they're going to no matter what, but it's, we should feel more pride in being resilient and the resiliency that the security team or we as security leaders have built for the organization. So that when the bad thing does happen, it's like why we have insurance, that we bounce back faster and less bad things happened. And like, that's the way, that's the business value that we deliver to the company because we can't prevent everything from happening. I tell people, I'm like, our adversaries, think about how many systems does Riot have, right? Hundreds of thousands, right? When you think about it, how many entry points could we possibly have? How many lines of code do we have? How many third-party vendors do we use, right? And when we millions of lines of code, inevitably a mistake will happen. There'll be something in code that we didn't even write that could be out there. And when you have adversaries, they only had to find one bug in one place at one time with their resources. My team actually has to sleep at night. Like something is going to happen. How do we actually provide resiliency to the org so that we don't throw into chaos? That's a, that, that's a huge win for us. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen the conversation in the security space changing because it, 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 it used to be, oh, that would never happen to us. And now a lot of people are saying, it's not if, but when. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, you've, it, it doesn't matter. There are companies out there, Facebooks, Googles, whatever. They have bug bounty programs. They have all these things. They have breaches and they have unlimited, they have security budgets that are significantly larger than ours, resources that are significantly larger, but they have larger problems and even sometimes larger adversaries. The, sometimes there'll be people who hear like, oh, well, Chris doesn't care about prevention. Totally not true. It's just not how I necessarily gauge the success of our security program. Prevention is important. If, uh, if we are popped because we had a three-year-old missing patch on our system, I should like go under the desk and I should, you know, apologize to everybody. You know, they're all, but so the, the common controls, the right things that are right level of risk for the business, they need to be in place. You're the foundation for the rest of the company to build, so they don't have to worry about those things. And then the second part is the building the resiliency and the recovering. That is the other dynamic for security program that gauges success. And it's not always measurable because things don't always happen, but it could happen tomorrow. So then let's, let's flip the conversation from challenges to wins and successes. Can you tell me about some notable wins that you've had along your journey? Oh, man. Honestly, the, the thing that has really brought me the most joy, 
like in my in my career at this point was actually the whole COVID response that that I was I was I was accountable for. Obviously, there's a whole team that that helped drive this, but Riot, we got Riot rioters off campus weeks before the actual lockdown because we 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 predicted that it might happen. You know, we have a we have an office in in China. We saw it was happening there, and we knew it might be inevitable here. So we just did a lot of prep work. So when the time the lockdown happened, there was we didn't have the chaos, you know, of sending everybody home. And being that I'm accountable for security and IT, so much of the the world fell on on our our groups to support everybody. But even during the time in which everyone was home and working remotely, we were still able to launch multiple games and keep like our our games running for all of our players who depended on it. In addition to that, it's it's not just the tech or the delivery, like the people, the rioters who are struggling. You know, I got all these mess, so many messages, and our team received so many messages that like they that riders just deeply appreciated the empathy and the support and the communication uh, and the programs and everything that we were building to help them with like help with mental health and supporting them to you know to keep them going. And those things, every time I got one of those messages, they were like better than any security win that I ever had. And yeah. with, with security, it's one of those things you say to yourself, well, our team did something. We think we prevented something bad from happening in the future, but we don't know because it might never have happened. It's it's incremental progress and risk reduction. The this was a fundamental like the results were instantaneous, and sometimes that is that is really helpful, and it, it actually changed my perspective on what brings me satisfaction in my career. That I do believe that I could gain that satisfaction outside of the security or even technology space, and I think that was one of one of those mo- those eureka moments where I said, it's not security per se. It's the impact that you can have for a group of people or for the company in whatever space, whether it be the human engineering and people dynamic, whether it be the technology dynamic, it can come from so many places. And when that sunk in, I was like, I could do, I could maybe go and do another role that's not security and still have satisfaction. Not that I want to, but like it, it was a huge moment for me. Uh, it's, it's hard to explain really. Yeah. It opened your eyes. I think going through the entire shift that we're still continuing to go through with the pandemic, right. Um, it humanizes your work experience so much and it reminds you of like, what's really important, you know, and it's people. It really is people. Um, I know, you know, a part of the motivation for this podcast is helping people win at work because when people feel accomplished, when they feel good, when they feel inspired, they show up better. They do better. Everybody wins. So I definitely, definitely um, can identify with that. Um, And honestly, I'm not surprised. I always hear the term world-class security programs, right? Or, um, you know, security is is evolving and changing so rapidly. We have to essentially build security programs today for the future. What does that look like for you? What do you think about that thought process as a leader? I sometimes use the world-class term and I hit myself every time, like on the inside, like, why did you say that? 
because it's the same as you you walk down any city street in any city in the world and it's like world famous breadsticks and you're like oh <laughs> right so the whole world knows about this little hole in the walls breadsticks like of course they don't right like it's a right. mental, it's a mental state like like world famous probably means something different to everybody else or like world class i think we all know that you can probably point to a couple of different just security teams across the industry that you would say are world class but different people might have different perspectives the way i the way i truly think about this is every company needs different levels of security riot needs a different level than a bank does it need you know a bank needs a different level than a, a government contractor or the the federal government or like the NSA or CIA like it's our lives at stake like there's a bunch of things that you need to ask so it's it's building the right program for the for the company and you do that through discovery through talking with the executives understanding what hey if something bad happened like what would we want to like how what impact would it have on us or they're like what riot ending events could possibly exist what things could de be detriments to our players and you build the program that's appropriate for that maybe that classifies as as world class later maybe it doesn't but you're if if you've implemented the the right level for the company it's fine so i try not to label any of it and uh, all, all I care about at, at the end is, are the right outcomes happening for, for my company? And do the individuals on our team feel they're contributing to something that is meaningful? And if the, both those answers are yes, you can, call, you can call it the world's worst security program. Like, I'll be <laughs> like, that's your, that's your choice. Like, we, we, we feel differently, you know? Right, right. No, that's, um, I, I think that's a powerful stance. Because I always, I always wonder, to your point, like when people say like world class, like what does that really, really mean? So it's, it's I, I appreciate your insight as a security leader on, on essentially how, how you feel about that. So what's next for you? Are you working on anything huge that you can tell us about? I know you've got some articles on Forbes, Medium. Are you doing any more writing or publishing? Oh man, like I would say uh, there's, what I want to do mm -hmm. and then what actually happens in real life. Uh, so like, you know, I've, I have a lot of things that I, I would love to, to write down and, and do whatever, but I'm truthfully, I'm prioritizing family and, and obviously riot and making sure everyone's good during this challenging time during the pandemic. You know, um, I just saw my mom for the first time in 20 months. Nice. She hadn't seen my daughter since she was two weeks old. So honestly, I, I'm making a lot of choices right now, especially for, for my own mental health and for my family to, to focus more on family and the things that are like necessary at work, which is I've been a little more quiet on the, the writing front. One day it'll, it'll come back out, hopefully when things ease up, but uh, nothing amazing or special to announce right there. But I feel good about that, honestly. I uh, think uh, seeing your mom after 20 months and her reconnecting with your daughter, if that's not special and amazing, like what really is? Yeah, but you talked about it earlier. Like we've, I do believe that the, the pandemic, at least for myself, I can't speak for others, has really changed my perspective on truly what is, what is actually important. Yeah. And even even having a, a daughter, you know, or having a, a baby mm -hmm. right before the pandemic happened, and some had it like when the pandemic you know, happened, that also changes a lot of things as well. You have so many questions you ask yourself, like, hey, 
my daughter just sees people in masks. Is she going to have difficulty reading people's facial expressions? Is she going to adapt different ways? Like, hey, are we, is she not social? Like, is she not having opportunities to socialize as much? These are the problems now that are, that are things that I'm thinking about uh, more than a lot of other things. But at Riot, Riot is, we have a lot of uh, big goals from the security team because uh, our company is just evolving. We've, we've announced uh, a partnership with Netflix for an animated series that we're releasing, which is a whole new world. We've released several different, several games that are, that are just um, doing really, really well. And with that comes growth and, and additional challenges for, for the company and the security team needs to evolve and, and keep up. So like it's growing our team. We have oh, 15, 17 open headcount that we're looking to fill all throughout all different roles from our product security to our, our rider or corporate security, our security operations. And one of the most important things to me at this point, it doesn't feel like this big achievement, but it's hiring people one at a time and bringing in the best people that we possibly can to contribute to our mission because every person we bring in, they're gonna branch out and they're gonna go and deliver amazing things. So even if we just hire those roles, I'll feel like that's a big win that I, for, for us and our team because we're leveling we're leveling ourselves up. Oh yeah, I expanded uh, my team just a few months ago. Man, it feels so good to have additional hands and additional, you know, thinkers and doers and contributors, right? Like it's, it, it adds so much value and layers of perspective to conversations that, that I formerly had that, that maybe didn't have the extra sauce that those, those people brought and were able to accomplish so much more. Um, so I think that's exciting. Yeah. But I lo- like, I love you said it because like, I love bringing in a new person. Mm-hmm. And I love bringing a new person because it's so easy for, for us, especially if you've been at a company for a couple of years or whatever, to fall into this like, hey, of course we're doing the right thing. And then when someone else comes in and like they feel the confidence to be like, hey, have you thought about it this way? And, I, and we're all like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. you know. And every time that happens, good things happen. Yeah. And, and, I, and I love, I, honestly, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chris, this has been fun. It's always fun talking to you. Yeah, I love talking with you too, so. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your insights and perspectives. You guys need to go check out Chris's fantastic articles. He's got one where he's interviewed on Forbes.com talking about um, the amazing work that Riot Games did to tackle the coronavirus crisis. And the other one, I poked a little bit of fun of him uh, about early on the show, talking about his role um, and the what what's the wave the sine wave the sine wave yeah well, and, and you get poke even more fun at me when you realize that it's it was hand drawn in microsoft paint so <laughs> i'm not going to judge you for that <laughs> and hopefully nobody else does and that's it for this week's episode of the urban girl corporate world podcast feel free to tune in each and every wednesday for more new episodes we'll see you guys later girl you got it girl you got it girl you got it Girl, you got it. Wow. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Wow. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it.